Welcome to the Longshore Insider, the show that takes a closer look at all things Longshore. We cover safety, claims, operations, and more, all to help waterfront employers run and grow their business while controlling their bottom line. The Shipbuilders Council of America is a trade association representing the shipyard industrial base in the United States. The SCA advocates on behalf of their members, focusing on policies and programs that impact the shipbuilding and ship repair industry. In this episode, Rob Stewarty of the American Equity Underwriters sits down with Matt Paxton, president of the SCA. Matt explains how the SCA continues to push forward on important industry events despite setbacks from COVID-19 and how the association is working on behalf of the industry to ensure that Congress and the administration understands the unique needs of the shipyard industry, one that is so vital to both our economy and national security. Matt, thanks for joining me. I thought it'd be a good good idea to catch up and just see, get a pulse on what's going on with the Shipbuilders Council of America. For those that are not familiar with the Shipbuilders Council of America, for short, SCA, could you just kind of tell us a little bit about the SCA and who actually the members are with the SCA? Sure. Well, first of all, Rob, it's good to see you. Um, you look good. Well, you um, I'm glad to hear you're back in the office. Yeah, the Shipbuilders Council of America um, has about 37 shipyard companies um, that have about 80 facilities nationwide, Great Lakes, uh, Alaska, and Hawaii. Um, we have 105 member companies, uh, partner companies that represent the supply chain. And uh, that entire coalition represents pretty much the entire shipyard industrial base here in the United States. Um, we're a national advocacy organization, so we're housed here in Washington, D.C., and we focus on policies and programs that really impact um, the shipyard industrial base. Um, while we care greatly about our shipbuilders, equally as important is our ship repair yards that maintain and get to work the Navy ships and Coast Guard ships that are so vital to our national and homeland security. Um, but as you know, Rob, because you're the chairman of the Industry Partners Committee, our partners, our, our supplier companies have a big voice in this trade association. As you know, the yes. leadership, we have three board seats now on, on the SCA board that's dedicated to uh, companies that are in the supply chain of, of the shipyard industrial base. And I think that's really the great aspect of this organization is while we're focused heavily on, the, on, on shipyards and what the shipyards do in our in nation's economy, the supply chain touches every state in the union. Um, and that supply chain has a lot of importance. And so, you know, your leadership on the Industry Partners Committee has been part of that. You know, last thing I'll say on this, because um, you hear it at every meeting you, you come to, is we support policies like the Jones Act that maintains a commercial shipyard industrial base here. While we build government ships, and that's really important, we build 40,000 uh, commercial vessels that ply the waters in the United States. And again, doing the work here back in Washington, D.C. We're constantly talking to Congress and the administration on policies and programs that really help the shipyard industrial base. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and we've enjoyed being a member, a partner member of the SCA, and we get a lot of benefit out of that, and it's it's a great organization, and, you know, we're just, we're glad to support shipbuilding and ship repair. Uh, when did you realize that COVID-19 was going to be such a big issue? When did that, you know, I know when it struck for us, but for you, when yeah. did you know that it was going to affect uh, the SCA? And well, as you know, Rob, because we've been working together for many years now, one of the great aspects of, of this trade association is we get together three times a year, or four times a year, if you include the National Ship Repair Industry Conference. And that fellowship, that camaraderie of coming together, um, and you know, 
working one-on-one uh, -on -one with business issues um, is a big part of what this trade association does. And so it was about two weeks out from the National Ship Repair Industry Conference, which was going to be held here in, in D.C. Uh, March 16th. Right. And we were sitting there going, well, this is becoming a problem. We were hearing government regulations, um, some requirements coming out of the, the D.C. office, mayor's office about, hey, you, you can't have a conference with more than 50 people. And as you know, our National Ship Repair Industry Conference brings in about 150 people. And so we started seeing that about two weeks out from March 16th and started to really, you know, go into, okay, how do we manage this and what do we do next? And obviously the first thing we had to, were concerned about was, you know, what do we do with 150 people coming into DC, you know, r relatively quickly. And so the first thing we did, Rob, um, and, and I know you're aware of this, we stood up our COVID-19 standing committee and that committee went to work right away, meeting every week, trying to figure out what we need to do. And so while we weren't able to uh, have the National Super Repair Industry Conference, um, you know, obviously it, together, uh, we weren't able to have that virtually either because, you know, things had, had changed so rapidly. Um, so, but we're going to figure that out. I think we're aiming for a fall meeting to get that conference back together. Um, but yeah, it was early March, Rob. <laughs> things started yeah. to change for, for all of us. Yeah, I think we were like March 11th or 13th or something yeah. when we kind of shut the office down. So, and, I, and I'm aware of this, but tell us, what are you doing to adapt to that now? Because we can't have the meeting. We were going to have the spring meeting in D.C. We we're going to have NISRA, and then we we're going to have the SCA meeting. Um, and we can't have it. Yeah. We're not going to have it. But you still have a bunch of trade partners, and you've got the shipyards that want to get together, meet somehow. What are you all doing to adapt to that and try and hold some type of meeting um, with the way we are right now in the world? Well, I mean, doing stuff that we're doing right here, Rob. I mean, Zoom calls have become, you know, uh, Saturday night Saturday night live skits. But I mean, it's true. It's we have to do business differently now, and so a lot of that that is going to happen this way. Um, but it's different when you're talking about a conference that you know a hundred and some odd people are coming to. So, you know, immediately we went into what is the best platforms we can use to get people together and have it be effective. Um, and again, with your leadership as chair of the Industry Partners Committee, you know, that was when we came to you. We said, what, what would be valuable for uh, a critical uh, company that wants to get in front of, you know, other companies, other shipyards? How would that look? How would that work? So we went through a couple different, you know, platforms. I think you'll recall WorkCast and some other things. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to go to go to um, a good webinar, I believe. Um, and we're going to make it work. I mean, that's ultimately how this is all going to go. I think the main thing is we need to do the business of the trade association, and we'll probably do that through some type of Zoom call or, or go to meeting type platform. But then when the general membership meeting meets, we're going to have a, a more robust platform to be able to bring in, you know, key speakers from the Navy, from the Coast Guard, members of Congress, and be able to play that out in a seamless, hopefully seamless, um, process by which, you know, and, and then also allow for our key member companies to be able to get in front of all of our shipyard members in some sponsorship modes, some ability to put um, uh, information out on member companies so everyone sees it. And quite honestly, Rob, what could come out of this is a virtual meeting will get people a little bit more exposure because there'll be more in attendance, 
and you'll have that you know ability to put out your um, company's information and, and get it out there maybe farther. So we're hoping that's the case. Um, yeah, no, and I think uh, we well we we kind of did the demo yesterday, and I think it's going to work well. The partners committee did, and um, I think when we were speaking yesterday, we had over ninety people already registered. Yep, which is awesome. I mean, I think we average a hundred and something maybe at some of the larger meetings, yep. and so I have a feeling. We may have a record number as far because it's easier to do yep. and, and, and you can jump on the calls and be on the video. And, and I think it's, you know, where, where we are now, it's, it's the best you can do. You can't get in front of people, but I really think it's a good opportunity for us all to get together as a community and as a group and do that. Um, yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I think we're all, we're all living through it. Um, but I, I think this is, making the best of a really, really difficult situation. Um, you know, and I've had these conversations where, Hey, maybe there's a way we could do a meeting in person and you start to get to the logistics of it. And until we are at a place where people are secure traveling by, by air and they feel that they can be safe, it's just not going to happen. Now we're hopeful. We're hopeful by the fall that we'll have the ability to do that. I mean, our focus right now as a, as a trade association is we are going to meet in person in Washington, DC, um, the second week of October. So that's the plan. And we hope that, that that's what, that's, what's going to happen. Well, I'm excited about that because it will be good to get together. So we know uh, we've had a lot of two stimulus packages that have come out and some other bills that are being proposed. What are your concerns with that right now? Are there any concerns with what's coming out from Congress right now or what you've seen in the past from an so, SBA standpoint? Yep. Yeah, you know, from, from where we sit, you know, as the National Trade Association representing the shipyard industrial base, you know, we were deemed essential. So we went to work. We never stopped working. Um, so on the initial tranches of legislation that came out, as you know, there was a heavy focus on maintaining employment and, and a heavy focus on those small businesses that, that needed to keep their workforce in place. Um, so as an industry, you know, we, we kept going. We kept working. Um, and, and so I think right now where we're looking at, um, is we know that there's been a lot of cost incurred in, in trying to make sure we keep our workforce as safe as possible. And I know you know this because of your line of work, but we have a culture of safety. I mean, our shipyards compete aggressively against each other, trying to be the safest. So when this started happening, we put in places a lot of uh, PPE, a lot of sanitation, uh, trying to stagger, you know, how, how our employees come in and come out of the shipyard. So, but there, there's a cost to that. And ultimately, especially if you're doing government work, that's going to impact some things down the line. So I won't get into, you know, specifics right here, Rob, but I, I do know what our shipyards are doing is we're not asking for anything other than we want to keep our, our people safe and we want to make sure that we're doing the business because a lot of our shipyards, as you know, it's about national security and it's about homeland security. And if we're not in operation, we can't do those things. Right. So, yeah. What What has it been like working on the Hill? I mean, obviously, you know, you, you're a lobbyist. You go to the Hill, you talk to Congress. What are y'all doing now to still do that? What are your challenges with that? On Because obviously, I'm assuming you can't go up. You can't. On the Hill. Yeah, you're not so allowed. Actually. How are you? So we obviously... 
I'm, I'm probably answering this. You're doing <laughs> Zoom meetings or whatever. I mean, can you get uh, someone from the House on a Zoom meeting or from the Senate and you're able to do that and do your points? Obviously, you talked to them on the phone in the past, too. Mm -hmm. You didn't just go up there. So maybe that didn't change. But has this been a challenge for y'all uh, on what your, your efforts have been? I think trade associations have proved their worth during this, this period because right. really we are the collector of a lot of really important information. So um, from where I sit, I feel like there was a, a kind of a, now we're going to lean on you trade association, give us information. Um, and so really what, it, what has changed is yes, we're doing zoom calls and we're, and we're doing stuff by telephone, but trade associations like the Shipbuilders council of America became that much of an important partner with the administration and with the Congress, because, you know, as I said, we stood up our COVID-19 standing committee. And the first thing we started doing was issuing surveys to all our members to find out, Hey, what are you experiencing? What, what are problems that you're experiencing? Is there anything from a government regulation that's, that's happening? Um, and we learned a lot. And so we were on weekly, we are on weekly calls with Marad. Uh, sorry if people don't know these acronyms, the Maritime Administration, on phone calls with the Navy, with the Coast Guard, with um, military Sealift Command, and we're sharing that those data points. And I think we surprised some people when we talked about, well, some of our PPE is being diverted. Now, we support diverting PPE for good causes, but when you're also deemed essential, you need that PPE as well. And so I think what I've experienced is trade associations, especially our trade association, has become that much more important to the Congress, to the administration for collecting that information. Um, and we've done our part and our members have done their part um, with really good, thoughtful, like I'm not just taking the survey to say the meeting was really good. I'm taking the survey because there's stuff I'm seeing in my shipyard or in my small business in, in, the, in the shipyard industrial base. This is what I'm experiencing. And all that information was really, really critical to feedback to the government and to the administration. So, Speaking about the PPE and everything that the yards are doing, I mean, <clears throat> since you represent so many shipyards, you've probably seen several or multiple ones that are being innovative and in maybe what they're doing from a PPE or to stay, stay in, uh, in operation. I know speaking with some of ours, I mean, obviously they're, they're doing the digital uh, thermal scan to make sure that nobody has a temperature when they're coming in. And then obviously there was a shortness of PPE, but I think all of our yards and probably the ones that you've done in your surveys have gotten the PPE and they're using it. Is there anything else that, you know, maybe that that's innovative or something that any of the yards that you've seen that have used and or are using, that's a little different or, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, a culture of safety is where we live and, and, and how we can make sure our civil craftsmen, you know, come in every day and go home safe every night. So, you know, you, you just mentioned it, temperature readings, um, spacing folks out, um, having shifts that are a little bit smaller and migrate in and out at different times. Um, you know, workplace areas that are spread out more and just stuff, you know, going above and beyond just so we can make sure, you know, these guys who have to work in some, you know, kind of uh, tight spaces, are, are absolutely safe. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and shipyards, as you know, are very, very innovative when it comes to using every piece of space, you know, in a shipyard to make sure you can be efficient and streamlined. And 
what a virus like this does is it causes you to be a little bit less efficient because you got to space things out a little bit more. Right. But the yards are willing to do it because you know you 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 can't just stop the work that's necessary, especially if you're building Navy and Coast Guard ships, but even commercial vessels. We got to those contracts are you know fixed firm contracts and we got to yeah. go. So the business has to keep going. And I think you know I, I think one thing Rob coming out of this and this might be a later question of yours is that boy, was it an honor to represent an industrial base that never stopped working, that said, hey, we're essential, and we're going to come here and do it. But I think it puts a lens on, you know, we need to maintain some of these critical manufacturing sectors. So right. some of what's happening here, too. What do you see uh, long-term, the long-term effect from this pandemic? Do you see any long-term effects with the shipbuilding and repair industry that you're seeing, you know, now? Well, I think I think what it, it begs the question of, you know, we have these lengthy policy discussions um, during our membership meetings, and and if you read our weekly reports, there's a constant debate about do you maintain a law like the Jones Act that says if you're gonna you know move something in the United States by water, you have to be on a U.S. built, U.S. crewed, U.S. owned ship, um, and and the United States has maintained that policy, you know, policy. We brought from Britain when we came here, but but I think what this pandemic is going to show is from you know medical devices, ventilators to to just medicine. What 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 are we going to do as a nation when it comes to manufacturing policy? And I would say we're probably better positioned coming out of this to build here, to maintain here, and to manufacture here. Um, and I think the shipyard industry has has been a spotlight to that, saying you know we're still building and repairing our, our government ships. And we can do that because we kept that manufacturing skill set here. We didn't let that atrophy, we didn't let it go away. Um, so I think maybe long-term, maybe there's gonna be more shipbuilding here. There's gonna be more ship repair here. Um, right. Because, you know, if do you wanna have your vessel repaired in China? And I don't know, but, but we, know the, we know the policies here. We know the policies that we have to live by here. And, and we're going to live by the highest standards and highest health requirements. And, and that's going to, that's going to happen. So hopefully Rob, long-term, maybe more manufacturing um, shipbuilding will be done here. That'd be great. I always like to ask this, or this is a, my, my last question, but what yeah. have you learned the most from this experience? Because I think we've all learned something. Yeah. And I, I'd be interested to hear what you've learned the most. From this well, time. I've learned that, as an industry, we're incredibly resilient. Um, you know, there wasn't complaints about going to work. There was there was happiness that they, they were they had work and they they weren't furloughed and that they were able to go in and and do critical work in, in shipyards. I think as a trade association, we learned that we have to evolve and we have to we have to show value to our membership and and we're we're figuring out ways to do that every day and. And again, I point back to you with the role that you've played as, as chairman of our industry partners committee. I mean, we absolutely need to drive value for our, our partner members and, and maintain those, you know, those are small businesses, some of, uh, of those guys in our industrial base and making sure that they come out the other side of this. And so um, we're, we're, we've learned a lot and we're <laughs> probably learn a lot more as this goes on. Um, and I think one of the things and this is more of a technical thing. I think we're going to learn a lot at this general membership meeting, June 17th and June 18th, yep. because if we have to do this 
for a little bit while longer. We want to make sure we do it right during that general membership meeting virtually and then improve as we go forward. So, yeah, and I think we're all going to learn from that meeting. And I mean, I think, you know, hopefully not too many kinks, but you work out some of the kinks because this may be a way to get people together and, you know, in between some of the in-person meetings or something, yeah. just, but where you can use these type of platforms because, uh, you know, it is easier to jump on a Zoom call than it is to get on an airplane, stay in a hotel. And so, you know, and I think it brings value. I really think it does bring value. And I'm excited about it because we do get to hear uh, from multiple people they're going to speak um, that y'all have already set up. And I think it'll kind of let us really know where we're going and the industry's going. So it's, yeah. it's awesome. Well, and I that's the whole goal. I mean, and again, your, your committee is our... <laughs> our our test runs so we appreciate that i mean we we've learned a little bit just from those committee meetings so that's good yeah well hey look i don't want to keep you thank you absolutely rod thanks for listening to the longshore insider a production of the american equity underwriters the leader in uslnh for waterfront employers if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts for more longshore related insights visit us on our website at longshoreinsider.com.